Hello, everyone. My name is Brennan Marr. That noise you're hearing is my ventilator, and welcome to this inaugural episode of A Larger World. My Wednesday show on Page Turners, they were not a Star Wars podcast. A Larger World is the show where we discuss in a encyclopedic format everything in Star Wars. Characters, planets, battles, vehicles, what have you. Today, we are going to continue with something I started a few weeks ago. Today, we're going to catalog the vehicles introduced to us through The Empire Strikes Back in 1980. So let's go right in. So the first vehicle we get introduced to that we've never seen is the little pod that carries the uh, probe droid. Uh, that's, you know, not really much to say about it other than it's a little pod. How neat. Now, I do not count the probe droid as a vehicle. I count it as a droid. So we'll come to that at some later date. The next vehicle that we see are the snow speeders, which uh, from a few lines of dialogue in there, we know that they are not adapted for the cult. And I think the uh, supplemental materials have confirmed that. So, you know, we're having some trouble adapting them to the cold. So they're not designed for that kind of terrain. Or at least not designed for that kind of temperature, that kind of climate. But they are pretty useful. And also the, the harpoons and tow cables are an interesting idea. And it kind of makes you wonder, what was that? designed for originally. It's, it's an interesting interesting concept. I like that they're, they're two man ships. Now we know the guy in the back does the harpoon. But whether or not he does anything else, I'm not entirely sure. Um, or she could be a girl too. Uh, what their job is, if they're gunners as well as charge of the harpoon, I'm not really sure. But it's kind of a tight squeeze in there. Those are pretty small craft. And you notice when they turn or when they bank, they've got these little flaps on the sides that open. You can see them occasionally. And of course, who should be flying in the Battle of Hoth? A snow speeder, but Wedge Antilles is Rogue Three. Wedge is always showing up somehow in all these battles, so he's a great, reliable guy. So there's not really much more to say about the snow speeders, other than they're interesting. Not my favorite craft, but you know, 
I think they're pretty cool in some fashion. Okay, the next vehicle, of course, we see is probably one of the most iconic, and that, of course, is the AT-ATs. Or adapts, depending on who you ask. How to pronounce it properly. Those are symbols. The Empire's might, or the Emperor's might, and become some very iconic imagery in Star Wars. They are terribly impractical, but they're really cool. And I gotta say, this, the visual effects during the Battle of Hoth astonishing. Astonishing. Giving a real sense of size and scale to the adults without ever making you realize you're looking at miniatures. And they are pretty cool. They sound really cool when they move, when they shoot their guns. Yeah, they're just very, very cool stuff. Now, we do get a brief glimpse of the ATST. But we will discuss the ATST, the Chicken Walkers, when we come to Return of the Jedi, which will probably be next week. So we get a, a bit of the Imperial Light. Now, I am slightly getting the order of vehicles out of order. Because there's a big one I totally forgot to mention. That, of course, is the Executor. Darth Vader's Super Star Destroyer. Wow. That is one of my favorite ships, by far. Big, dagger-shaped, very imposing. There's almost an entire city across the top, which is kind of cool. I love the design of the bridge. I love just the look of the engines. I love its dagger shape, which is even sharper than the regular Star Destroyer, which I think is meant to be um, that, that's the point of its design. It's, it's a very imposing ship. It dwarfs the Star Destroyers. It seems like the Empire keeps the, likes to keep making bigger and bigger things. Which apparently the First Order continued that tradition. So I love the Executor, one of my favorites. And also, I believe we get a glimpse of the TIE Bomber. Which is an interesting design, a TIE Fighter. Not my favorite, and I can tell you that from playing it in TIE Fighter all those years ago. But really cool in terms of bombing and blowing things up, but not my favorite. Almost too bulky for me. That's a neat new design of a basically two cockpitted TIE Fighter, though the other cockpit is not a cockpit, but a like a, a bomb bay. Not bomb bay. You know, a, where it stores all the bombs. As we can see, they can drop bombs uh, or is not vertically in the asteroid field. So those are some of the things that get introduced to us just in the first few minutes of 
The Empire Strikes Back. We're going to take a short break to hear about our sponsor when we come back. We'll continue this catalog. See you in a minute. Okay, we are back. Um, what else? Oh, yes. The next thing that we meet that's a new vehicle is the cloud cars on Cloud City. Yes, um, kind of meant to be more like police cars in a way. I like the orange design. It's kind of interesting. It fits with the sort of the sunset look of Vestman of Cloud City, which, by the way, Cloud City's design is so beautiful. And those shots of them coming fl flying in, oh, gosh. It's, it's lovely. I don't think we'll count Cloud City as a vehicle. Uh, that's a whole different discussion there. But the cloud cars are kind of neat. Two cockpits, very rounded. Not my favorite design, but I do like their look. It's very unique. Neither Imperial nor Rebel. Um, and definitely in keeping with the design of Bestman. We get that. The next vehicle we see that's new is Slave One. Which, forgive me, I may be getting slightly out of order. But, it's Slave One. It's Boba Fett's ship. The one that belonged to his father. Slave One is a classic design. It's iconic, and I know a lot of fans were like, we want to know more about Boba Fett. Particularly because of that cool ship. And I love... I love that the ship is designed to land horizontally, but fly vertically. That's very unique, and I love the rounded look. I love that it's just such a unique design. With those weird little wings on the side, and underneath is a laser cannon, almost like a long snout. You know, I love the rounded design of where the uh, engines are. Slave One is absolutely beautiful. I love it. And it adds to that aura of mystique to Boba Fett. He's got cool armor. He's got a cool ship. Pretty neat. And it's he who tracks our heroes to Bespin. So he did actually do something. <laughs> okay. Now we come to the Imperial Shuttle, which, yes, was not included until uh, the special edition re-release of The Empire Strikes Back in 1997. But nonetheless, I love the Imperial Shuttle. I love the design, almost a chrome look. I love the folding wings, and then it unfolds when it takes off. It folds up when it lands. I love the design of the cockpit. Particularly the window. I like its kind of rounded edges. 
with the fins uh, being a little bit more geometric. I like that the shuttle has kind of like a... It almost looks like it has a mouth when it puts down the landing ramp. And I love that they included it. That is a scene that I do like. In the special edition of showing Vader taking off to his Star Destroyer. Which is not in the original. In the original he said... I think he said, bring my ship. And the next thing you know, he's on his ship. On his Star Destroyer. On the Executor. That didn't really make sense. So that's an added scene that I like. And you can't tell it wasn't filmed. In 1980. You really can't. So maybe that it looks real nice. Even nicer than what was... But then again, Empire looks great. And then the next ships we see are just the Rebel fleet. Which we will discuss more of in Return of the Jedi. Uh, but nonetheless, we do get to see some unique designs and stuff that gets played up a little more later. So those are my thoughts on the new vehicles and vessels seen in the Empire Strikes Back. They were working with three times bigger budget than the original film, which, by the way, because of some disputes with the studio, the Empire Strikes Back and all Star Wars films subsequently have been independent movies because George Lucas paid for them with his own money, starting with The Empire Strikes Back. So they had three times a larger budget, about $35 million, whereas the original was about $11 million. And they kind of went over budget, but the results really paid off, I think. As not only does The Empire Strikes Back look even better than Star Wars, there's the cinematography and just the it's not so B-movie looking. But also the vehicles and vessels they were able to add to the mix. As well as new locations definitely show off their bigger budget. And thank goodness for that because Star Wars got even bigger as a result. So thank you for tuning in to this inaugural episode of The Larger World. My name is Brendan Marr. That noise you're hearing is my ventilator, and thank you for tuning in to Page Turners They Were Not, my Star Wars podcast. May the Force be with you.